If you have a Bible today, I invite you to turn to the book of Acts. Chapter 3 is where we'll be. We're in a sermon series called Church on the Move, and we're just walking our way through the book of Acts. You may remember the last couple of weeks we've been in Acts chapter 2, which is where God sends His Holy Spirit that the Lord had promised through the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells the hearts of God's people in that upper room in Acts chapter 2. And then Peter stands up to preach. He preaches the gospel and 3,000 people are saved on that day. And the church is on the move. And that brings us to Acts chapter 3 today, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Now, remember this, Peter and John, they're Jewish. And so they're doing what they had done as Jewish people their entire lives. The Jewish people had two prayer times every day, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And, and interestingly enough, those are the hours that Jesus hung on the cross. He was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m., and he hung on the cross until 3 p.m. So Peter and John are simply here doing what Jewish worshipers did, but for now, but now it's different for them, right? Because they're not only Jewish now, but they're also Christians. And here's what's interesting. Until the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, Christians and Jews really kind of worship God together alongside one another. And the reality is, as Christians today, we aren't really separate from Judaism. We are really the extension of it. Maybe better said, we're the fulfillment of it. The Jewish people, they, they're waiting on the Messiah to come, so they think. But as Christians, we know the Messiah has come. His name is Jesus. And we're waiting now for His second coming. We're waiting for Him to come and to make all things new. So the early Christians, they met with the Jews. And they prayed with the Jews and they worshiped with the Jews. And so Peter and John are doing this. They're going to the temple in that three o'clock prayer service. And verse two says this, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Now, this guy's never walked ever, not a step from the day he was born. He was born with some type of issue that has kept him from being able to walk. All of his lower extremity muscles are completely atrophied. All of those joints, all of those ligaments are stiff as cement. This guy didn't just simply catch a cramp on the way to the temple. He doesn't need pickle juice. He needs a miracle. This is a big time in his life. Notice the Bible says this man had to be carried. There were people that cared about him. In fact, the Bible says he was carried to the temple every day. If you're still sitting there thinking about, should I sign up for that special needs ministry? This is your guest, by the way. This man had people that took him there, carried him there every day. Verse 2 goes on to say, each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. You need to understand this. For, for devout Jews, there's three really big important things in their faith. One is the Torah, the first five books of our Bible. As Jewish people, you got to know the Torah. The second big thing in Jewish worship are prayers. Certain prayers, certain times of the day, which we've already kind of bumped into in this story here today. The third thing that's a really big deal in worship among the Jewish people 
is charity. Giving to people who are in need. Giving to people who are suffering. And you may, you may wonder, well, where did that come from? Where, where did they get such a strong sense of charity and giving like that? Well, they get it from God. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7, this is just one of a thousand scriptures we could look at where we see the charitable heart of God in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 17, God says, But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse, to refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. It was God who put this seventh year in place that debts would be canceled. And God says, just because you're coming up on that year, don't withhold a debt from somebody. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you'll be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. For the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That's why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. You know, sometimes I hear people say, man, God in the Old Testament was just mean. He was just angry. Well, I would suggest to you, you probably haven't really read the Old Testament, if that's what you think. In fact, we see this kind, compassionate, giving, charitable heart of God through the Old Testament. In fact, it, it's through Him that this whole concept of charity, of giving, entered the entire world. And He did that through the people of Israel. No other nation 5,000 years ago was operating with that in their hearts. It was God that brought that into the world through His people. This is one of the great attributes of our God. He loves and he cares for the people that are easily overlooked. He cares about and is compassionate toward the people that are easily forgotten or marginalized in society. And that's important to us at Grace Life, too, because that's who our God is. And, and so that's why at Grace Life we want to take widow care important. We want to take that to heart. We, we, we care about orphans fostering and adopting and supporting. We see that often at Grace Life. That's important to us. Coming alongside giving ministries like the Grace Place right here in our own community. And yeah, again, being a part of our special needs ministry here at Grace Life. All of those are just opportunities for us to reflect the heart of our God into the world that we live in. So the Jews are on their way to the temple here, Peter and John are on their way too. And, and, and so part of their worship would be to give money to people who were poor, who were kind of ostracized from the mainstream in society. This was simply a, a regular part of how they worshiped. So every day, these people brought this man who's never taken a step in his life, and they put him down beside one of the gates to the temple complex, specifically they put him down beside what's called the beautiful gates. Now, there's ten gates around the temple, uh, but this one in particular is called the beautiful gate. And I may have a couple of pictures here. I'll show you real quick. When you go to Israel with me next year, we'll get to see this. But this, that, you see the ceiling here in that entryway. That is the ceiling, the same ceiling 
that this lame man looked at every day that he was put at that gate. That's the ceiling from this first century time of Jesus there that you're looking at. And then the next picture, you'll see those stairs that go up. This is where those stairs come out. They come out up in the um, temple complex there on the temple mount. And so this man was placed beside this gate. Now, this was a strategic move on his friend's part because this was the popular gate. It was the beautiful gate, and the majority of the people would come through that gate. So you improved your chances of getting something in your tin cup by being at this gate. Because just like today, one of our sweet greeters, she was at this door, and she said, I don't want to work that door anymore. I want to work this door from now on. I really like this door. Because most people are coming through that door. And it's more fun to get to talk to more people as a greeter at that door. And so the beautiful gate was kind of like that. It was the one that most people came through. Verse 3 says, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. How many of you today, you have a a family member or a friend that they're just in a really hard place right now? They're in a really hard situation, like something that just kind of confounds your ability to be able maybe to even comprehend exactly what they're going through and you don't have any answers for them right or maybe that's you today maybe you're that person you're in a situation it's hard it's complex it's complicated and you don't have any answers for that listen i've been there for for me personally in my own life i've been there where there's stuff going on that's just crazy and complicated and difficult and i don't really know what to do and then certainly as a pastor i'm there a whole lot those of you who know me real well, you, you've heard this. You come to me with your complicated issues and problems, and I, I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't know what to say. That happens sometimes. I, I, I really don't know what to do. Life is like that sometimes. But look at this. Even Peter, even Peter doesn't have all the answers. But he does have Jesus. Here's what Peter's saying to this guy. I don't have what you're asking for. But what I do have, I'll share with you. What's Peter have? He's got Jesus. He's got Jesus. And that's what he's going to give this man. Now look, you might have a friend today whose marriage is falling apart. And you... Don't have a magic wand for them to put it back together, but you have Jesus. You might have a friend today whose child has turned their back on God and left the faith. And you don't have three steps to give them to turn their child back to God, but you do have Jesus. Maybe this week you found out that a person in your small group or in your Sunday school class, their, can- their battle with cancer is beginning now, and you don't have a cure for that. You can't give them a cure for cancer, but you can give them what you have, who you have. You have Jesus. So We've been talking about this lately, haven't we, at Grace Life, that we want to find ways to bless 
people in the name of Jesus. And we want to find ways to encourage people in the name of Jesus. And we want to find ways to serve people in the name of Jesus. And yes, most importantly, we want to tell other people about the love of Jesus. We want to have our best days and our best weeks, B-E-S-T, blessing and encouraging and serving and telling. So you might can pray with somebody, right? You might can have a conversation and listen, lean in and listen. You might even cry with somebody, or you might cut the grass, or you might make them a meal, or you might keep their kids. Listen, don't feel like God expects you to have all the answers. Some of you are putting a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself to be Mr. or Mrs. Fix Everything. God's not called you to that. He alone is God, not you. He is the great I am. I am the great I am not. God does not expect you to have all the answers. God does not expect you to solve all the problems and to fix all the brokenness. Simply do what you can. And give people what you have. And what you have, if you're a child of God today, is Jesus. So Peter says, verse 6, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk! See that exclamation point? That's typically not the best approach to somebody in this dude's condition, right? To just get down in his face and go, get up and walk! (laughs) But that's what Peter does. He's kind of got this sense of urgency. And it seems, though, that God doesn't move, right? No surprise. I mean, why would he? This this is crazy. So verse 7, Peter helps him a little bit. Then Peter took the lame, by the, right, the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. I bet he did. You can imagine what that probably looked like. Peter's just grabbing the guy and yanking on him and yanking on him. Come on, John, help me out. Ugh, get up, man, get up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. He stood on his feet and he began to walk. If you've ever watched your... Child, take a first step. That's scary, right? It's like freakishly scary because their head is way bigger than the rest of their body. And so they finally get on their feet, but like the center of gravity is all off. And so like, it's like, you know, like that. That's not what this guy's doing. Think about this. Nothing has ever worked before. I mean, they don't say, you know, we're going to kind of limber you up for an hour and we're going to rub you down and you're going to get a deep tissue massage and we'll slowly get there. No, 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 no. They yank this guy up and he's standing and he's jumping and he's leaping and he's walking. The Bible says then walking, leaping and praising God. He went into the temple with them. Remember those steps, that picture we just looked at? Never has he gotten up those steps. Never. Has he been on the other side of that tunnel? He's always been on the outside looking in. But on this day, what he could not do, God did for him. God came. 
God changed his life. And God changed him from being merely on the outside looking in to being on the inside. I don't know about you today, but that's my story. I also was lame from my birth in sin. I was more than crippled. I was dead in my sin, unable to ascend into the presence of God. But God did for me what I could not do for myself. Jesus, his perfect son, condescended to me. He came down to me and met me at the point of my need and called me to get up. And he saved me through what Jesus did at the cross for me. I'm not on the outside looking in anymore. By grace through faith, I'm an insider with God now. That's your story too? Man, that's my story today. Verse 9 says, All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. You think this man had the volume turned up on his praise that day? Oh, yeah. It didn't matter what song they were singing, he was loud. It doesn't matter where they were in the service that day, he was loud. You couldn't bottle that up, you couldn't contain that, you couldn't quieten that guy down. Can you imagine? Everybody heard him. And they saw him walking and leaping, and they knew exactly who he was. Every day that they had come to church, they saw the guy. Every day. At 9 a.m., they'd come to pray, he was there. At 3 p.m., they'd come to pray, and he was there. And some days, because they felt like, I've got to get a few more points with God today, they'd, put, they'd look at him and put a little something in his cup. But then there were days they did like we do a lot of times. Just look straight ahead. Stay in your lane. Don't look around. Ain't got time to help nobody today. Ain't got nothing to help with today. Just keep on moving. They knew exactly who this guy was, and they all see him today. They're all looking at him. Verse 10 says, when they realized he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Verse 11 says, they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade. This colonnade was this huge covered area up there in the temple courtyard because it can get really hot over there and so this would provide some shade where people could gather and they could sit and they could hear other people teach and speak and so forth and when they get out there the bible says they see the man and he's holding tightly to peter and john now i, I want to talk to two groups of people with the time that i've got left today one i want to talk to people that you don't know jesus yet you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus yet. Maybe that's you. Maybe somebody in the room today, you know about him, but you don't know him. Or it could be somebody's watching online right now, or maybe later you're watching online. and You don't know Jesus today. And then I want to talk to people that do. But let me start with those who you don't know him yet. I'm, I, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're still with me, and I'm glad you're still listening. First of all, I want you to know that I don't have to tell you this, but you know this already. You've got some needs in your life, financial, relational, physical, emotional. That's not news to you. But here's what may be news to you. None of those are your greatest need. And I just want to speak to you a moment about what your greatest need is, and I want you to know Jesus wants to meet it. Jesus wants to meet the greatest need in your life. Let me tell you what your greatest need is. One day, you're going to stand in front of God in judgment. And if you have 
committed any sin, when you stand that day with that sin being judged in front of a God who is perfectly holy, you will be condemned. You will be condemned to spend an eternity apart from God, separated from God, in a place of suffering. Now, I know when I talk to people who don't know Jesus, it seems like there's more and more people who come back these days and go, you know, I hear you saying that, but I don't believe any of that stuff. I don't even necessarily believe in God. Because if God was who the Bible says he is, if God is real, then why does all this crazy stuff happen in our world? Why is all this bad stuff going on in our world? Because that's what we do. That's our human nature. That's what we do. Bad stuff happens in the world, and we all go, where's God? Where's God? Which is really kind of crazy because we're not taking any responsibility for any of the bad stuff. Right? Look, here's the truth. Here's the deal. Here's God. God created a perfect world. It was perfect. And then he created us. That's what happened. He put us here. We're the ones who messed it up. And one day, God's going to judge every one of us for our sin. The sin that we've put into our lives for how we've sinned against God, for how we have brought death and destruction into this world that he had created. One day we're all going to be judged because of that. But here's the good news of the gospel. When you stand before God in judgment on that day, you have a choice. You can either stand there before God with your sin... Or you can stand there before God without any sin. That's the choice that you have in front of you. You say, how do I stand there before God without any sin? Because I got some sin. Yeah, we all do. Every one of us does. So how can you stand there that day without any sin? Because here's what the Bible says. At the cross, God's only son, his name is Jesus... He suffered and he died because there at the cross he was taking your sin and my sin on himself. He was taking the condemnation from his father that was directed toward your sin and my sin. Jesus was taking that condemnation on himself so that you wouldn't have to take that. He was doing that to remove our sin, to take our sin away from us. And here's the good news. If you'll believe that today, if you'll look at the cross and understand that Jesus died for you, he died to take your sin away from you. If you'll turn from yourself and your sin and embrace Jesus Christ to save you from your sin and from the oncoming wrath of God, one day you can stand in front of God in judgment and not have any sin. Because God will have already judged all of your sin at the cross where Jesus died. And for those that make that choice, those who trust Christ to save them, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now here's your other option. You can choose to die. You don't have to choose that. You're going to. The Bible says it's appointed to all of us. We're going to die. 
But you can choose that when you die, that you're just going to take your sin with you. I know we say, you know, you, you can't take stuff with you, but you can take sin with you. You can take your sin with you out of this world, and you can have it with you that day that you stand before God in judgment. And He will judge you then, and your sin. Look, I chose a long time ago, I was way better off to let God judge Jesus for my sin than to judge me for my sin. You'd be way better off too, and I pray that you'd make that choice today. And I'm praying that that would start with God convincing you that he's the only one that can meet your greatest need. You might have came here today thinking, my greatest need is I got a bill that needs to be paid. My greatest need is I got some marriage problems. My greatest need is I got a bad report from the doctor. And I'm not minimizing any of that. I'm just saying that's big, but you got a bigger problem. And Jesus came to solve it. And if he can solve the biggest problem, he's more than able to solve every other problem as well. Verse 12 says, Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Peter's going, we didn't heal this guy. Why y'all looking at us like we did something special? This isn't us. We don't have that kind of power. Verse 13, it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who's he talking to? To Jewish people, right? So he's talking right to their hearts. It's your father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his God, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. Peter wants them to understand only God can do this. And if God cares about healing a lame man's legs, how much more does God care about healing a person's soul? Taking their sin away. Peter goes on to say in verse 13, this is the same Jesus Peter gets after it, buddy, right here. He's looking at these folks. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. Peter's going, you begged to kill this guy, Jesus. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life. This is Peter looking at these people going, you blew it. Don't stand here going, well, where's God? Peter's saying, he came to you and you killed him. You blew it. You rejected Jesus and you chose to release a murderer and kill Jesus instead. And listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you the same thing in love. You have blown it. Your mess is not on God. It's on you. Just like it was on me. But that doesn't have to be the end of the story. Look at the end of verse 15. Peter says, but God raised him from the dead. You thought you killed him. You thought it was over. You thought salvation was off the table. No, no, God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. 
Listen, this story doesn't have to end today. Your story doesn't have to end today with your sin. With you standing in judgment with it all right there in front of God. Your story doesn't have to end with your failures and your mistakes. Even for the people who begged Pilate to kill Jesus, Peter is telling them, even for y'all, it's not too late. He says, verse 17, friends. Do you feel how Peter just tones it down there a minute? Y'all ever see that from your preacher on Sunday? It's like, rah, rah, rah. And then I realize I better soften up a little bit. Peter does. He's like, rah, rah, rah. Friends. I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. In other words, Peter is saying, God had a plan. It's all part of the plan. And no matter what you've done, no matter what any of you've done, no matter what's been done to you, I promise there's nothing that's happened or has happened or will happen in your life that's going to stop the plan of God. His plan is unstoppable. And God's plan all along was to send Jesus to save us from our sin. If you don't know Jesus today, and you're still listening, it's probably because the Holy Spirit is creating this interest in you right now. And I hope you're thinking, I need Jesus. Because I don't want to take this sin to the grave. I don't want to take this sin to judgment. Right now, while my heart's still beating, I got to deal with this. And the good news is for you, God is alive. Jesus is alive to deal with that. Right now, right here, Jesus will take your sin away. You don't have to stand in judgment with it. You say, what do I need to do? Look at verse 19. Peter says, now repent of your sins. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Isn't that good? Gone. That's it. Repent just means turn from your sin. Turn from yourself and turn to God. Believe. Believe that Jesus is better than your sin. Believe that Jesus is better than yourself. Believe that nothing and nobody is better than Jesus. Believe that. Believe that he is the son of God who lived a perfect sinless life, who died on the cross, who was buried, and who God raised on the third day. If you'll do that today, here's what's going to happen. Look at verse 20. Peter says to those people, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of of the Lord. You receive Christ today to save you, to take your sin away, then refreshment's going to come to your life. The presence of God is going to come to your life. The Holy Spirit of God is going to take up residence in your life. And you'll be refreshed. There's this little icon on most of our digital screens. You know what I'm talking about? The little arrow with the little circle. We have that back there, Brian. You got did I put one on there? It's up there. Yeah, there it is. That's what some of you want to do right now. You wish you could refresh me right now. Just, can, I, can I press that button and just kind of make this go away 
right? We, we're kind of familiar with that. Peter says to the people, listen, if you trust Christ, times of refreshing is going to come. When you hit that button, your screen refreshes. Everything sort of reboots. If you trust Christ, it's bigger than getting refreshed. It's bigger than a reboot. It's regenerated. It means you're born again. The Bible says the old is gone. And everything becomes new. Verse 20. Peter goes on. He says, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus. Wait a minute. He's going to send Jesus again? Yep. He's coming again. You're appointed Messiah. Why is he coming again? Verse 21. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Remember? God created a perfect world. Then he put us in it. At least he's getting us straightened out now. And when he gets us fully straightened out, he's going to create a new and a perfect world again. Now with new and perfect, redeemed people to live in forever. Listen, I think the lame man getting up and walking is just foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do to this lame world that you and I are living in. He's going to come back and he's going to get down right here to this lame old world that we've been living in. And Jesus is going to say, get up! And he's going to make this lame world new. And this lame universe is going to be completely restored and made new. And the entire universe is going to be leaping and rejoicing and celebrating and praising God for all of eternity. And that's where God wants you to spend your eternity, in the middle of that. And you can. You simply trust what Christ has done at the cross to save you. But now, for just a minute, I know I'm running out of time, but I want to talk to us saved folks, because that's most of us in the room here today. We've talked about what Jesus wants to do for us, but what does Jesus want us to do for him? So if you're a child of God today, zone in, here you are. Look at verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity. He saw his opportunity. God opened a door of opportunity for Peter to tell people about Jesus, and Peter stepped into that. Listen, Christians, understand this. For a lost person to become a child of God, for a lost person to be saved, two things has to happen. One, God's got to be working on their heart, and two, somebody's got to tell them about Jesus. Peter recognizes here in Acts chapter 3 that God is working. He knows that because God has just healed this lame man. So Peter knows God's spirit is at work. And when you see God's spirit at work around you, you know the opportunity has just presented itself. The opportunity to talk about Jesus. So that's what Peter does. He senses the spirit of God is doing something here. And he seizes that opportunity and he starts talking about Jesus. Christian, how many times have you felt like, I'm in this moment, I think God's doing something here. I think God's doing something. Just this past week, be honest, this past week, there was a moment you kind of go, I think God's doing something. I think the Holy Spirit's up to something. Anybody? 
Nobody. Nobody. Great. Okay. Everybody's in the first category that I preached to today. Nobody here knows Jesus. You know what I'm talking about, right? And we kind of always go, what am I supposed to do in that moment when I kind of feel like God's up to something? I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit's up to something. Let me, let me help you out with that now. Don't ever forget this. When you're having that moment where you just kind of know God is up to something here, Holy Spirit's moving here, here's the plan of action. Talk about Jesus. As quick as you can. Don't talk about church. Don't talk about your pastor. Don't talk about some program going on in your Sunday school class. Forget all that. Go to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has not shown up on the scene to talk about Grace Life. The Holy Spirit has not shown up on the scene to talk about Pastor Joel. The Holy Spirit has not shown up on the scene to talk about the barbecue that's going to happen next Sunday afternoon. The Holy Spirit has showed up on the scene to talk about Jesus. And so when you know the Holy Spirit is moving, you start talking about Jesus. And you can talk about more than this, but never talk about less than this. You've heard this in three circles. You'll hear it again tonight. You you have to at least talk about this. Jesus came and he lived and he died on the cross and he was buried and God raised him from the dead. One sentence. You just pack it all in there. One sentence. That's all you got to say. Holy Spirit, as it were, you just know, you know, I don't know what to say. You do know what to say. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He died on the cross. They buried him and he rose from the dead. And then just stand there. You don't even have to know what comes next. You don't have to have another step. You don't have to have another plan. You don't have to speak another sentence. If you'll just say, Jesus Christ, God's son, he died on the cross for you, was buried and he rose again. Then just stand there. The Holy Spirit will take it from there. You don't believe me? Try. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God into salvation to all who believe. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have what everybody's asking for. You just know Jesus came. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And then just stand there and the Holy Spirit will take it from there. And then be ready. Right? And that's what we're trying to do with three circles tonight on Wednesday nights. Be a part of that. So see the opportunity, church, that God's going to put in front of you. And then secondly, uh, run out of time. Secondly, walk in faith. Walk in faith. Believe. Watch this. This lame man gets healed in Acts chapter 3. Was it his faith that was at work? Or was it Peter and John's faith at work? It's Peter and John's faith at work. They're jerking this guy up, right? Get up, right? It's Peter and John's faith at work. Listen, some of you have a spouse that doesn't know God or you have a child that's rebelling against God and you're ready to give up or you have a friend that's self-destructing I'm telling you don't give up on them don't give up why listen church because God can use your faith to rescue those who have none God can use your faith when people have no faith. Don't give up. God still does miracles when his people ask and when his people believe. And the greatest miracle here in Acts chapter 3 is not a lame man walking, but a sinner being saved. 
And God wants to do that miracle. And when you get to the next page, actually, you'll find out that not only did he most likely get saved, but the Bible says 2,000 men. We didn't even get the head count on the women and children. So probably even double at least 2,000 more people were added to their number from the 3,000 that were added to their number in Acts chapter 2. Now we're up to like 5,000 people. That's the miracle of this story. A lame man walking, that's awesome. But that lame man one day is going to be standing on two good legs in front of a holy God in judgment. Big deal if he carried his sin into that judgment. What does it profit a lame man to be able to walk and lose his soul? If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're listening, you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm telling you, me and a bunch of other people have been praying for a whole bunch of people that don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. That's how our three-circle study starts every week. The greatest miracle that could ever happen to you today is to have your sin taken away from you before you die. And before you stand in judgment. And faith in Jesus Christ is the only way that's possible. If you're here as a believer, please know this. God determined when you would be born. He determined where you would be born. He determined who would be in your family, who would be in your neighborhood. He determined who you'd be working with and around this week. He's determined all of that for his purposes and for his plans. And what if today, Christian, you said, okay, God, from now on, I'm going to say yes to every opportunity. Every time there is that moment of feeling like God is doing something here, the Holy Spirit doing something here, I'm not going to make that a religious conversation I'm not going to kind of beat around the bush. I'm not going to say, hey, where do you go to church? That's our go-to in the Bible Belt. Our, our question of, hey, where do you go to church is probably sending a lot of people to hell. Come on, y'all. Pedal to the metal. Let's suck it, suck it up and get real. Right? When the Holy Spirit is moving, let's say today, God, I'm going to step into every opportunity you put in front of me, and I'm going to talk about Jesus. Love the world, you sent him, and he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and you raised him from the dead. And then I'm going to watch what you do. Would you say yes to that today, church? Would you say yes to God today? Every opportunity that will come your way. God, this is our prayer. That we would live lives like that. Watching for you at work around us. And that we wouldn't step into that with trying to help people's life be a little bit better. What difference does it make if we make their temporary life a little bit better and they die and take all their sin with them? We've wasted that opportunity. But when that opportunity comes, may we tell them the good news of the gospel that you don't have to die with your sin. God can take it away right now. You can be forgiven, and you can be reconciled to a God that's perfect. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, if you're here today, and right now you've not allowed God to deal with your sin. Today, if it was the day that you stood before God, you know that you would stand there with all of your sin, 
Because you have yet to trust Christ to take it away. Why not today? Why not today? Why not today would you trust Jesus to take your sin away? Believe that he is who he says he is. That because of his love for you, he gave his life on the cross to remove your sin, to pay your sin debt, and to prove that it's available to you. God raised him from the dead. Would you trust him for that today? In a moment, we're going to sing, and if you've never trusted Christ, all you got to do today is right where you sit, say, Jesus, save me. I know I'm a sinner. I believe you love me. You died for my sin. I don't want to take it with me from this world. Would you take it from me today? And I want you to be my Savior and my God and my King. I want you to run my life from now on. Then I would ask you that if you do that today, to... Do something pretty crazy. And that's in a moment while we sing. Just come down here and tell me you did it. One of the best ways that that can become real in your life is to as quickly as possible tell somebody I've trusted Jesus. I would love and be honored if I might be one of the first people you tell today. And I want to pray for you. This church wants to pray for you. What about you, safe folks? I don't know about you, but as I was preparing this sermon, there was a lot of rearview mirror moments in my life that I just looked backwards and went, wow, I have squandered a lot of opportunities. A lot of those God moments, Holy Spirit's working, and all I had to do was talk about Jesus, but I managed to, it seems, talk about everything except Jesus. How about this, church? How about we just take the rearview mirror down and throw it in the glove box today and say, Jesus, I just want to look through the windshield now and I want to see every opportunity you put in front of me to tell somebody about Jesus. And I want to seize on that. I want people to know they don't have to leave this world with their sin. Jesus, the Messiah, has come. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. Touch us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to invite you to stand. As Mike said earlier, you can come and pray at this altar. You can pray there in your seat. We need to be praying for opportunities, church, to share Jesus. We need to be praying specifically for people who right now still have their sin. And it's going to follow them into judgment. Let's pray for opportunities to see God change their lives if you're here today and you're giving your life to Jesus today let's let's talk come on down let's just let me shake your hand let me put my arm on your shoulder let me pray with you okay let's do this today let's seize this opportunity